chapter 14, reading from verse 22. We are following the life of Peter. We're seeing Peter, the first initial contact Jesus had with Peter. He says, you are Simon, son of Jonah, but you will be a rock. And Jesus spoke prophetically, saying, I know who you are, I know where you've been, but I know who you're going to become. And we see as Jesus journeys with Simon, how just God works in his life. We see that Peter's always willing, but he's also weak. He's willing enough to say, Jesus, I'll never deny you, but he's weak enough to deny him. He's willing enough to be the first to be outspoken, but he's weak enough, and we see so much of his failings as well. But it was a lesson in how Jesus works in our life. This morning, we're speaking a little bit about storms. Has Omdi encountered some, at least physical storms, the last week while? First sick of storm season. When's it going to end? Every day is another storm, another amber warning, maybe turning red warning. Then I go out and I've got three fences already blown down. And am I trying to fix them? No. <laughs> I'm waiting until storm season's over. Because I'm not the best at DIY or January I can if I try and put it up just now. It will soon get blown over. Yesterday, I was out for a walk and went out bread. See, I seen uh, Elsa in our big window with our marigolds on, Dina dishes. I don't like to make it obvious that I'm looking at uh, Elsa's windows. Like, <laughs> it's a bit weird. But we did, we did see each other, didn't we? And that wind was just howling. And you seen it on the Bread Sea coast, just that waves was pummeling into land. And so we see storms so clearly the day. And this is a moment that the disciples get stuck in a storm. I speak to you about three suddenlies. Things can change quick. This morning they had seen that Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves to feed the 5,000. And I'm just going to read it and take out a few things. It says that immediately, reading from verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Interestingly, the feeding of 5,000 happened, a miracle, but before that day would end or the next morning would come, the disciples found themselves in a storm. Things can change quickly. Sometimes last Sunday when we was here, it was like heaven encountering our earthly world. It was like stepping into another supernatural dimension that God was in the house. And sometimes that can happen on a Sunday morning and think, well, I'll just never be the same again. I'm just going to be live life as this angelic being. And now it's got to be phenomenal. But sometimes Monday comes, and you're not too sure how this happens. But you find yourself in a storm, in a teacup. 
either a storm in your heart, a storm in your mind, or just something happens in your life and you thought, no, it was so good even just yesterday. And Sunday I felt like a saint. And Sunday I felt angelic. And Sunday I felt new and renewed and holy. That God was really on the move and the victory that he bought on the cross. I felt as though it was mine on the Sunday. But on the Monday you go from saint to sinner. I'm not the only one that feels like us, surely. The, the, the Monday can feel so like wading through treacle. And Sunday you could be full of hope and you get clarity in the mind. And Monday you think, I can't even answer a simple question. Like fit flavor a pot noodle I'm going to have for dinner. Everything becomes unclear. Things change quickly. I've always wondered why Jesus sent them into a storm. Why Jesus, it says that Jesus, after the feeding of the 5,000, sent them, knowing that they were going to heed first in to a contrary wind. Because our idea of Jesus would be he wants to protect us from the storms. I've always wondered that, and I listened to some teaching this week that I thought made it a bit clearer for me. Maybe it'll be clearer for you. The feeding of the 5,000 came just before. Jesus spoke that the feeding of the 5,000 was like an object lesson. That if things seem illogical, that the demands of life are overwhelming, that as a prophetic word went forth this morning, he's there with the victory. The lesson of the five, feeding of the 5,000 was, if you're feeling short in supply, far do you go? Jesus. And he was on the boat, and it's mentioned in Mark that he would ask his disciples, did you not understand yet the feeding of the 5,000 that happened there? And they never understood that it was about involving Jesus. And this guy said, I thought it was quite good, was this was another object lesson. Jesus sent them a Waffaham cell, and none of them questioned and none of them teamed the lesson of the feeding of 5,000. And none of them said, Jesus, it's the middle of the night. We'll only go if you go with us. Because we can if we've got you in the boat. We'll be okay. And none of them says, okay, Jesus, you're a water of prayer. But I really think it's a good idea to go without you. We'll just wait. And it was so Jesus was saying, are you, going, are you willing to go without me? Are you willing to try and cro cross this lake without me? You remember Moses when God says, go to the promised land. And Moses says, we are now moving until we know you are with us. We do not want to go somewhere and they feel your presence. And I believe for us as a church, we have to, we do not just want to do stuff without God's presence. We do not just want to try and fulfill some of God's commands and look like nice people without saying, God, that be the case. We want your presence. We want to feel you in the boat. We want to feel your love divine. And here it was. 
Verse 24, but the boat was now in the middle, so Jesus has went up to pray. In the middle of the sea, they have went for the feeding of the 5,000. Now they're in the middle of a lake. It's near like the North Sea, for you cannot see the other side. They could see where they were trying to get to. In the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was the contrary, which means the wind was against them. Okay, if you're on a stormy day and the wind's behind your back and you can't fire your gun. If the wind was at their back, there wouldn't be a problem, would there? But they had faced a contrary wind that suddenly they went for the miracle of the feeding of 5,000 to now they're in deep trouble. It's easier to get into trouble than it is to come out of trouble. They find themselves in the middle of the lake. Jesus is near there by his presence. And the wind is blasting against their faces. And they're rowing as hard as they can. And they cannot move. The sea father trying to get to. And if they just stopped rowing, they'd be back to farther whiz. The attack of the enemy is always to push us back. The move of God is always to take us forward. The kingdom is advancing. Go forward. Jesus' arms is open. Go unto him. But this was a contrary wind that was trying to blast them back. And suddenly this moment was upon them. And there's no progress. They're fighting. This is men with muscles. This was fishermen. And they were getting at their best shot and standing still because there was a contrary wind. Sometimes in life, suddenly it's happened and it's a contrary wind that tries to pull us back from as we want to do is move forward. We can see the land. We can see the victory. We can see what we're trying to achieve. We can see the blessing. But we're just not moving. Home, never felt like that. There seems to be a contrary wind that's coming against me. That all anxieties are coming back. That dullness of heart is coming back. Only this morning, only yesterday, I was experiencing the miracles of Jesus. But only now, I'm in deep, deep waters, in deep, deep trouble. I'm trying because I'm a survivor. I'm trying to keep moving. I'm trying to keep it together. I'm trying to be sane for the sake of other people. But to be honest, I'm getting blasted. And then it says here, it was the fourth watch, verse 25, or the night. That was between three o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the morning. That's in deep darkness. They have tried hours upon hours just to go to the place that Jesus told them to go. Now it was the fourth watch of the night. They're weary. They're tired. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. If you are feeling this morning 
that you feel as though you're at the between the three and the six in the morning slot, that you're trying, that you're pushing, you're neither the person you is, but you're certainly not far you want to be, that you feel as though there's a contrary wind constantly blasting against you. It says that Jesus seen them, and he advanced towards them, walking on the water. Because if it would sink other people, Disney sink Jesus. And he could have looked and says, oh, look, that's them, just the one they're in. They forgot about me. This is just a trial. But Jesus seen them. I thought, no, I'm going for them. I'm going to walk on the water. Or Jesus went to Calvary for us. He had his hands pierced for our transgressions, our sin and our shame. We should never ever think that as we are getting blasted by the storm, that Jesus isn't also wanting to walk on the water to get to where we are at, to help us, to comfort us, to save us. This is their reaction. They were troubled. It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. When you have a scared heart, everything is scary. These guys are wet. These guys are already scared. These guys think they're drowning. And when they see Jesus, they think, oh, no. We've maybe already died. This is a ghost. What is this? It's like if you watch something on TV that leaves you slightly afraid, and then you go to your bed, and every bump in the middle of the night, oh, no. Because you're already scared. It's a robber. They're coming to get me. If you've been here for a while, you'll know my big fear is spiders, especially the big brutalines. So if I would see a spider yawn with like eight big furry legs, and they've got teeth, I'm sure they have, that they would maybe go for your neck and poison you and kill you. And that's why I think in my head when I see that bad boys. And I can't, some of you are just lover of every animal, but there's only ever going to be one winner. And so it's either me or the spider's got to go. But if I do encounter that, and then when I'm lying, I walk at night and I hear that bump in the middle of the night, I think, oh no, the spiders are coming again, man. They're ganging up because I'm already scared. And some of these are thinking, you're just a wimp. Especially the soldier, eh? He must be thinking, but if I walked into this morning, he goes to battle, like real battle, and I get scared at spiders. I've never, I've never had any idea how I've ended up scared of spiders. I was maybe bad used by one as a toddler or something. And ever since then, I maybe need to be delivered for some trauma. But already scared. And they think, this is a ghost. This is a ghost is. But it's near. It's Jesus. And this is a suddenly... They were suddenly in the storm, and then Jesus shows up suddenly and says, be of good cheer. Imagine some guys on a boat thinking it's sinking, 
than the first words of Jesus. Be of good cheer as I do not. He hasn't dealt with the waves yet. He hasn't dealt with the wind yet. He just suddenly turns up and says, be happy. How am I supposed to be happy? I'm sinking. How am I supposed to be happy? There's still a contrary wind. How am I supposed to be happy? The circumstance is just terrible. But the word of the Lord to you is cheer up. Be happy. I am with you. I have come to rescue you. And maybe some of you that just need a good Holy Spirit, cheer up. Why are you miserable? Why do you feel as though the storm is going to snuff you? The interpretation or the word spoken in tongues. I am with you. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. For I am the great I am. My name is victory. I went to the cross. I conquered the grave. I am the one that walks upon the water to come to you. You are striving in your own strength, God, absolutely nowhere. Yet Christ comes to each one and says, cheer up. You can laugh in spite of the storm. He is the joy giver. I pray that this morning, even if you walked and weary and you've been rowing and getting absolutely nowhere in your life, and you carry a heart of frustration. Why is this not working? That you would hear the word of the Lord. Nea fake, nea phony, nea just I'll tell a joke and you and smile. But the word of the Lord, cheer up. <laughs> and we, you could have been lost. You could have never have known me. You could have never have went to that church and responded to the gospel. Fit do you need to be scared of? When the great I am is on your side. Suddenly, maybe this morning you just got a reignition or a suddenly that Christ is with you. The first suddenly was a contrary wind. The second suddenly the manifest presence of Christ shows up. And I love us. Now we're on about Peter. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me. Peter's willing. Command me to come to you on the water. Is that something you would do? I would probably be with other 11. We'll discard Judas. I'd probably be with other 10. It's just the whole idea. He's here. It's cool. He's here. I'm going to abide on the, the safe side of the herb. I'm going to abide in the boat. But Peter's willing. And he says, okay, right, if it is you, give my command. He's maybe learning for the feeding of the 5,000 as we need is Jesus. And if we have Jesus, impossible things can become possible. And I want, us, I want to be like Peter. But that takes courage to believe at your command, I could walk on water. So he said, come. He bid Simon out the boat. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, 
He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Again, the prophetic word this morning. Jesus was saying, come to him. Bid me come. Peter saying, I want to move in the miraculous like you, Jesus. Jesus said, okay, look at me. Come to me. My arms are open. I'm bidding you to come. We want to see a move of God, revival fires, Holy Spirit move, healings, deliverance, to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You want all that? Jesus says, you come to me. You come to me. I bid you to come. Come to me in the morning. Come to me in the evening. Come to me in between. Come to me when you're desperate. Come to me in your happy moments and your, when you're crying tears on your pillow at night. Come to me. If you're confused, come to him. He will empower you to walk on water and to see miracles, to see signs and wonders. How do you live the Christ life? He bid me to come. Jesus says, you come to me. We can bide in the boat. We can be safe. Father wants to, to walk on water, spiritually speaking. Father wants to, to, to get out the boat. Jesus saying, I'll empower you to live the Christ life. I'll bid you to come. And many as I'll came this lesson that he started to walk on water with that can, how much steps he'd taken. And then it says this, and we have did this many times in our lives. Verse 30, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Your eyes are upon Jesus. He says, I bid you to come. But then again, stuff happens. The storm is still raging. And then you look upon the storm and you take your eyes off at Jesus. You look upon the waves and think, wow, that's a really big scenario in my life. And you take your eyes upon Jesus, you take your eyes off of Jesus onto the cares of the world, onto the lust of the flesh. And then it says at that point, that Peter had a sinking feeling. And sometimes in our mind's eye, we think he maybe just started to, to sink slowly. How fast do you think a grown man like Peter, if he lose the ability to walk on water, how fast do you think he would just disappear? Pretty quick, would you say it would take higher or lower than a minute? Lower than a minute. Thank you, Gib. You're so responsive. Higher or lower than 30 seconds? Higher or lower than 10 seconds? That's why you watch your kids when they kind of swim. Run about swimming pools. Because you can, if they kind of walk on water and they kind of swim, I would say it takes milliseconds for Peter to lose the ability to walk on water and to suddenly sink. And he would go off there, he would see his feet, and within milliseconds, you wouldn't even see his head. Do you think I was right to say? Because 
anxiety came in again. He took his eyes off of Jesus. His devotional life came doing. He stopped listening to the worship music. He stopped putting his life before the Lord. He started looking at the cares of the world, the wars in the world, the anxieties, the problems, the storms of life. And he began to, to sink. And he sank so quick. But if him disappearing would take a few milliseconds, how quick, that's the suddenly, how quick must the hand of Jesus be to save him? Because before he disappeared in the absolute oblivion in the lake, he suddenly shouted out, Lord, save me! It's a good prayer if you feel as though you're sinking. It's a good prayer if you think as though you're falling into sin and you're about to disappear. It's a good prayer to pray. It's a good shout to cry when you think you're losing it in the spiritual realm. It's a good thing to cry out if you think you're about to disappear. It's a prayer, Lord, save me. I'm drowning. But how quick is Jesus' hand to save us before we disappear and before we sink too low? The arm of the Lord is nay too short to save. It would have taken milliseconds for him to disappear, yet quicker than that milliseconds, Jesus' hand is there to say, it's okay, I've got you. If Peter was lost and the rest of the disciples were lost, you would never get the Acts of the Apostles. You would never get the prophetic word that Jesus spoke, our Simon's life that would become a rock. If he was lost, all that would be gone. But Faz glad this morning that Jesus saves. He saves us with his blood-shed hands, the crown of thorns for eternity. We can trust Jesus to save that song justified by faith. But yet, Far believes that even if they were sinking the day, that if they was to cry out, that Jesus would save them for spiritually drowning and raise them up in a miraculous lifestyle that stops looking at the world, looking at our problems, looking at the scares, stop being scared and just say, I'm going to keep looking at Jesus and keep advancing forward step by step by step looking into his face. There will always be a storm to look at. And it's not to say we didn't bother about storms. It's a concentration of our hearts and on our mind on the storm. And I believe Jesus is saying he can suddenly save. But also to live the Christian life, you'll always hear a storm. I think that was a lesson for Simon Peter. You'll always have something else to look at. But if you want to live in victory, you've got to look to Jesus. That's a secret. I'm going to ask a worship team to come up, for this is the, the final suddenly. You've got the suddenly contrary wind, and then suddenly Christ shows up. You've got Peter suddenly sinking. And then Christ's hand suddenly there for him to save him. 
And the final suddenly it says, when they go into the boat, so Jesus came into the boat with them, the wind ceased, suddenly stopped. When we was gone through the COVID years, remember them years? We said that a lot. I never ever thought I would see the day when I grew up that we'd ever live through if it were lived through that we couldn't see the people that we loved because of something happened like a disease. You never ever thought you'd see that day, did you? You thought it was confined to a hundred years ago. But we said time and time again, this too will pass. That if ever we're going through, this too will come to an end. When Jesus got into the boat, and sometimes we miss that, and preachers just stop at the, the suddenly saved, because Jesus was there, the wind ceased. For me, this is a picture of a heart that has suddenly found peace and comfort at the feet of Jesus and in his eyes. And maybe you came here this morning, and yeah, you was here last Sunday and times were good, but things in your heart suddenly became restless and weary and tired, confused again. And then it was a storm you had been battling me. But we've got to fix our eyes upon Jesus and say, Lord, you save. We'll pray for his manifest presence to come in and scoop you up and we'll set our eyes upon Jesus afresh this morning. He's not finished with us yet. If he was finished with me every time I'd turn my eyes off at Jesus, I would not be standing here. If he was to discard me because time's gone past, I've turned my eyes off of him, I would not be standing here. But you are here because Jesus has not finished with you yet. And as it takes us a freshness to say, Lord, save me, and set our eyes upon him, and I pray that the wind will cease. The storm in your heart, the restlessness would cease. And you'd fall in love with Jesus all again. You'll care for it is to hear his manifest presence in your boat. And then it says, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Would you know? Even if you wasn't Peter and jumped out, would you know be at least a little bit thankful that Jesus stopped the storm when you thought you were about to drown. Let's stand for a moment. We've got to declare a few things. They were saved, and so they worshipped. They almost drowned. Jesus shows up. Saves them, calms the storm, the winds cease, they look if it's happened, how good Jesus is to them. And then they give thanks and praise and worship. Because if you know that Jesus has saved you, then you will be unashamed. Again, I'm thanks. If you know that you could have drowned, and went to a lost eternity, yet Christ came, and by his power, he saved you.
You will have no problem giving them praise and giving them thanks. These disciples knew that they had encountered a suddenly and it could have not ended well. And because they knew, hold on, we could have drowned, but now we're safe. And it's because of him. Let's give him thanks. I want to encourage you before we leave here this morning, I wonder if Gilbert's got a praise song. If I want to give him thanks, do you care for yourself, eh? He saved you for eternal distance for him. And eternity without him. You were cut off, drowned already. Yet you are here with the gospel of good news. And if you came far, you've came for. And you came far, you've been. And you came that Jesus has saved you. How could we nay say, Thank you, Jesus? Let's worship Him, church. Let's pray. Let's play a prayer song. And let's be less abandoned, less eyes upon the world, less eyes upon the storm. And let's give Him everything. Let's pray. Jesus, we are here. And you are our Savior. And as the waves of the world came into our heart, we felt distance for you, and it left us feeling hopeless. But we thank you that you rode upon the waves, and you faced a storm of life, and you came by your presence, and you said that you would seek and save that which was lost. And God, we was lost, and we lived in this world without hope, and we was blind. Yet you came, you opened our eyes, and you caused us to live and you caused us to hope, and you saved us. And because you are our Savior, we are here to give you thanks. We are here to give you praise. Just thank Him in your own tongue. Then I wait for me. Just tell Jesus, thank you. He's calmed the storm. He saved you. He loves you. He calms all our fears. And you can take delight in his presence and allow yourself a moment to cheer up to smile in the storm to be happy because Jesus says cheer up do not fear I am with you cheer up do not be afraid I am with you be happy in my presence love me in my presence be free in my presence cheer up do not be afraid, for I am with you.